Sorry about that. Wow, sorry about that. <laughs> that was a delayed setup. Um, we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to wrap up uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, with a message today. And I really wanted to, um, to end this small series on a high note. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted us to look forward to what we have in Christ Jesus, not in some far away, off, distant place or... or not some place that we can't really get to now, or, but where we are right this very moment. And with the Lord's Prayer that we've been looking at for the last four or five weeks, um, it's, you know, the words of Christ telling us how we are to direct our prayer and how we are to, to take that to heart and take it personally and take it into ourselves and say, Lord Jesus, hallowed be your name through everything I do, every action I take, every word that comes out of my mouth. Every thought that crosses my mind, every, everything, I lay it all at you, at your feet. And I skipped purposefully last week, uh, verse 13. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then parenthetically, some of you might have this in your, your Bibles, some may not. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> some of the... Older manuscripts don't have that in there. And uh, after we pray, I'll tell you a funny story that I think is true, but I, I, I think I may have twisted up again. It's about jam when we were in high school um, with this. So hang, hang on for that. Lord Jesus, again this week, we're so grateful to be able to come into this building, Lord. We're grateful that we have these words in print for us, Lord, to take to heart. Lord, I ask you, please be with us now. Be with me now, Lord, as we look at this. And that we take something from this, Lord, and direct our love and our adoration towards you as we leave this building today, Lord. We love you, and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. So the Lord says in verse 9, pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and amen although some this little doxology at the end there may not be in some of your bibles it was in some of the earlier manuscripts and it and i, I, I hesitate teaching like this because i don't want you to Losing confidence in what scripture you have, it's in there if it's not in there. Uh, it was put in there probably by a, a, a translator, just to, to wrap it up. Some, I don't know, King James have it in there, Martin? Yeah. They do. So it's right then. If it's King James, it's right. <laughs> Bless you, my brother. But, but everything in that statement is theologically sound. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. That's where I want to wrap up this Lord's Prayer, that we look at the, the King, Christ Jesus, His kingdom, His power, and His glory forever and ever. Amen.
This kingdom is not something that's far off to us. Martin often talks about eternity uh, is, is forever and it's now. It's not when we get to heaven, that's when eternity starts for us. It's the same with the kingdom of God. We don't have to look forward to getting to heaven to enter into the kingdom of God, although that is what's going to happen. The kingdom of God is now. For us that believe in Jesus Christ, we have that power to know with all assurance that when we leave this planet, if we are, are, we are believers in Jesus Christ, <coughs> the very second we leave, we are going to be in his presence in heaven forever and ever. Amen. His kingdom, his power, his power isn't on hold now until we get to the kingdom. His power is in place now. The reason I wanted to go out on a high note on this is because, quite frankly, when I turn on the news during the week and I see what's going on in this world, I know it was said many generations ago probably that this is the worst generation they've ever seen. You know, my parents thought that when the Beatles came on, you know, the scene with their crazy haircuts. Yeah, they, were and they were close. <laughs> and then us children of the 70s, you know, with our baggy pants. I remember, you know, just the baggy pants and the long hair. And look back on those pictures now and think, man, that was the worst time ever. But now, look around. Look, open our eyes and see. Where is God's kingdom? Where is God's power? Where is God's might? Where is his authority in what we see in the globe? Imagine where we would be without the Holy Spirit on this planet. <coughs> we do not need to lose hope, little children. That's what John says in 1 John. Don't, don't lose hope. Don't, don't take your eye off the, the mark. Don't take your eye off the ball. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus Christ when, you're, when you turn on the TV and you see the chaos, it's happening. You can't deny it. There's, there's Coptic Christians being beheaded. You know, you can't deny it. There's little children being used as, as target practice. You can't deny it. That doesn't mean our God is out of control. That our God does not care. He does. I had an email from our missionary this week in Albania. And uh, not me personally, but, you know, the group one that he sends out. And uh, I have such admiration, if you will, for missionaries. I, I, it's a tough life. You're called to be a missionary. You're called to be a pastor. You're called to be whatever the, the Lord has called you to do. Uh, but he, he sent me this email and said that he was in, he's in Greece. Somebody broke into his car and stole luggage and passports and credit cards and cell phones. And... You know, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, don't, if that was me, how, how, on the scale of boiling, where would I be on the scale? You know, we talked a little bit this morning about, about that <laughs> subject, too. Reading his email about what was going on in Greece, he said that the Lord is in control. Through this, he saw people that have come up and gone to bat for him. They, uh, uh, a young man gave him a cell phone charger because the cell phone company won't be open until Monday. The battery's running out. So he said, just take my charger. Um, uh, he ran into a Christian couple, and they bought him dinner. He had no money. You know, it's just... So in, in this chaos, we as Christians, we need to let our light shine. We, we can't retreat and say, okay, they're taking over the, the, the school system. Okay, they're, they're taking over the government. They're making it hard on me. 
We as believers need to stand on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. We can't back off and say, I am not going to stand on this rock. I am, you know, and when you stand on that rock and take that, draw that line in the sand, that doesn't mean you pick up rocks and throw people. That means you, you draw a line and say, this is where I will not cross. Dear Lord, verse 13, and do not, this is the Lord telling us how to pray. So this prayer is coming out. Do not lead us, plural again, not me, just do not lead us into temptation. I was thinking about that. The Lord, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Don't lead us into temptation. So I got the picture reading this of God up in heaven looking down at us and said, I'm going to tempt you. That's not what that word is. That's testing. That is testing. Lord, don't lead us into a testing. And he doesn't stop there, he says. But deliver us from that. When, when you test us, Lord, there's going to be testing. There's going to be trials. We're going to look around to see things. Lord, don't, don't lead us into that testing. But if you do, it's for a purpose. It's to prove something. It's to see where we stand with Christ. It's to see, quite frankly, do we have the, the wherewithal to get through these things? And we all have had seasons of testing. I, I dare say any of us in this room haven't had a testing in their life. When you go through that testing, remember, he's with you. He's, he's not trying to trip you up. He's not going to say, I'm putting this test in front of you, and I'm hoping from the, the highest throne of, of heaven that you stumble on this one. So I can say, ha! He's up there, and he's going to test us. He tested All through the Old Testament, there was testings. All through the New Testament, there's testings. And it just goes to show us where we are, who we are in Christ. And I, I am, if, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, if you have works and, and grace, man, I'm not a works guy. I don't think that he's testing me. I'm working harder. I'm trying harder. Therefore, I'm a better Christian. I'm a, I'm a grace guy. I'm on the other end of the spectrum that it's his grace that gets me through this testing, not my power and my might, not my desire. Not, I, you know, like, I got to quit smoking. It's, I'm gonna, the willpower, I got to stop. No, that's not it. His grace got me to stop smoking when I was a kid. Not my power. You remember, you remember how hard that was? It's been 40 years, and I, it's, I, I still remember it. It wasn't my wherewithal. It wasn't my... Sucking it up. It was God. His grace and his mercy and his love in my life that got me through that. That's a, a minor thing. And, and again, we've all had these testings. And without his grace, without his love, I, I couldn't get through it. So do not lead us into this testing, comma, but deliver us out of it. When you test us, Lord, know that when I pray, you hear, and you're going to get me out of this. I don't know how long this testing will be. I don't know how long the field will last. I don't know how long the, the, this testing period will go on. But I know and I have faith that when I go through this hard time, that he's on the other end waiting for me. He is going to direct my path. He's going to send the Holy Spirit and say, comfort Mike. Comfort Mike when he's, he's laying on his pillow and he's crying, doesn't know what to do. 
Just like the psalmist. We talked about that last summer. How many times David laid on his pillow, his face flooded with tears. And he didn't hide that. He didn't say, I better not include that in Scripture because I'm a stalwart king. I can't let that out. He said, I need to let that out so that you can see. Take it to the Lord. Take the, the pain and the hurt and the angst and take it to him. And he will, he will take care of it. I want to look at something real quick. Turn to Philippians. Chapter 3. And sometimes when we look around and we see the chaos and the craziness in this world, and we wonder if there's any hope, Paul, writing to the Philippians, wanted to make sure they understood there is hope. He wanted them to see that there's hope beyond the mess that they're in. Philippi was an interesting place. It was conquered by... Uh, Caesar, it was uh, his father's name was Philip. They named the town Philippi after Philip. The Philippians were considered Roman citizens. They were they were outside of their homeland of, of Rome, over here in Philippi. Yet they had all the rights and all the the privileges of a Roman citizen. They couldn't be crucified. They had tax breaks. You know, they had all the stuff that would go along with it. And I, as I was reading about this. It got me thinking about, you know, my citizenship. I was born in Ireland. My heart is still a little bit over in Ireland. You know, I, I'm, I'm an American. But back there, I, there's just a little bit of Irish left in me. I am no longer a citizen of Ireland. I am no longer a citizen of the United States. Canadians are no longer citizens of Canada. We are in Christ's kingdom. We are his citizens. We are his uh, people. And we reside in America. We have friends that reside in Canada. Family in Ireland, right? But those that are believers, we have a new place. We have a new citizenship. And that's in his kingdom. And with that comes all the privileges of being in that kingdom. Like the Philippians, they weren't in Rome, but they had all the benefits of Roman citizenships. We have the same. We, you know, I don't like the tax structure in California. We, I just don't like it. It's not fair. But I'm not a citizen of here. I have something to look forward to. And I know when I get to glory, I don't have to worry about the crazy tax rates in California. Right? I'm a citizen of heaven. And Paul says, Philippians 3.20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things unto himself. He says for our citizenship. It's ours. It's our citizenship that now we claim in heavenly places. We don't have to worry about, you know, amassing a bunch of stuff here. It's all going to be gone. We have responsibilities to take care of our family. We have, we have to take care of you know, debts and obligations. But we don't have to stress about those constantly. You know, and I'm sensitive to the fact that you know, sometimes ends don't quite make it. I, wonder, I, I get that. And I get that I can't go into court and say, Judge, I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. Therefore, these debts... I'm not mine, right? 
we have responsibilities. When the paycheck comes in short and we've got another day in the month, <coughs> that's a reality. And yes, we'll stress about those things. But if we take and we look forward and we see that our citizenship, and, and this, this word citizenship is, is really interesting. It's like this communal thing that we have is with him. Our father who art in heaven is where I'm going to be someday. For our, he's talking about, now Paul was writing to the Philippians, but he's talking to himself, the disciples that were with him, to us, to believers, our citizenship is in heaven. And what do we do? Paul says right here, for which also we eagerly await. We need to be have the mindset that we are eagerly waiting to get back home. Heaven is our home. We are citizens of heaven and we eagerly await that. Do we? I do. I have great faith and belief that my home is in heaven. That when I take my last breath on this planet before the flickering of an eye, I'm going to be standing in the presence of my King and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. That is, that, that, that is powerful in my life. I, that is just the most wonderful thing to think when the pressures of life press in on me. <laughs> glory bound, baby. I am glory bound, as the old gospel hymn said. That's where I'm going. I, and you can't revoke this citizenship. It's unrevocable. Just like when he, he, he took the bill of sale uh, uh, of your debts we talked about a few weeks ago, and he destroyed it, nailing it to the cross. That's where my citizenship is, nailed to the cross. That certificate that I got from the government that says you are in now, a little A number on there. Nope. Doesn't matter. My kingdom is going to be with him someday. <coughs> For our citizenship is in heaven, from which... Also, we, all of us, eagerly await. What are we, we, what are we eagerly awaiting? We await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We await, we eagerly, we, we, we are pressed with all eager anticipation the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see him when we get there, but he's going to come back and get us here. If we live long enough, if he tarries and we're still alive, and he comes back, he's coming back as a conquering king over his kingdom. And we eagerly wait, await that. And if, if he doesn't come and we get to go home first, we eagerly await getting up there to him. That, that is so powerful that we get to see Christ the king. The, the reality of Christ the baby in the manger. The reality of Christ the the little 12-year-old boy playing in Jerusalem, the reality of, of the grown <coughs> carpenter, the reality of a Savior that went to the cross and spread his arms and said, this is for you. I eagerly await that. I can't wait to see that. That's the joy I want you to have. That's, that's the, the expectation that Paul has for all of us. 
Don't get distracted by the day-to-day. Don't get distracted by what's on the news. Focus steadfastly. Set your face towards the cross. Our Christ lives. Our Redeemer lives. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he going to do when we eagerly await and we see his coming and we get into his presence? Will transform. He's going to transform the body. Our body, when we get to heaven, is going to be transformed. You know, when Jan and I would sit out in the patio and I get up yesterday afternoon and I, every time I stood up, I was creaking and, you know, the joints were popping. And I, I'm a relatively healthy guy. And I'm thinking, man, if I got this run left, am I going to creak my way to the, you know, the glory? He's going to transform my body. What, would, what will that look like when I get there? I don't know. But I know he said he's going to transform it. I think about the people who have gone ahead of me. I think, think about a loved one laying on the bed, dying of cancer, crippled and can't move, having faith in Jesus Christ. He's ahead of me. I look forward eagerly to seeing that transformed body. It's, it, that's the, when, when you see that person there and they're just about to go, they're going into glory. They're going into Jesus Christ's realm in heaven. They're going to be welcomed. They're going to get their passport stamped. Come home, citizen. You know, I, to just to put it on just people terms and, and life terms, you know, like if I was to go back to Ireland and I, I eagerly await to get back there. I can't wait to see my relatives. I can't wait to the smells that are back there. I can't wait to the sounds and the green. And, and I got my passport in hand. And I get to the airport and I, I run on the airplane. And I run off there and I present it. And they say, come on in. That's what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. Come on in. Your name is etched in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's, it's right there. He's going to see it. And he's going to say, welcome. That's exciting. That's, that's where we need to have our faith locked into. He will transform the body of our humble state. <laughs> it won't be like this one forever. He's going to transform it. Into what? Into Arnold Schwarzenegger body or, you know, a, a, a model's body or what he's going to do. No. He's going to transform it into conformity with the body of his glory. Our bodies in heaven are going to reflect God's glory. His glory shines. My body's going to shine. Why? Because I get to praise him in eternity. Not because I want to look cool. Not because I need to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because he's going to transform my body so I can focus on him. And I won't be creaking when I worship. You know, we saw it in Isaiah when the, the angels are around and they're flapping their wings and they're praising, holy, 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 right? There's no creaking in those wings. They're just praising God. That's what we get to do when we get up there. We get to stand there. Glory to be God. Glory to him in highest. That is that, that's exciting. That's where I wanted to end this little series with. That's where we're going. He's going to transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. How? By the exertion of the power. By God's power. By his exertion of his power. Now think about this. He created the universe. He created everything around us. 
What kind of power did that take? He's going to use that same power that he created the universe with to transform our body. That's some effort. That's some body. That's so we can focus on him and worship him. You know, we've all had friends and relatives say, I can't wait to get up and have a a cup of coffee with Uncle Joe when I get to heaven. Or, you know, my brothers, you know, can't wait to have go up there and have a beer with dad. That's not it. That's not it. If that's your theology, check it. We're not going for coffee. We're not going for a cold one with dad. We're going up there to worship the king. Not in an old broken way. Not in a beaten down way. But transformed with the power of Jesus Christ. With his, his shaking together and pressing this world and this universe and spinning it. That's what he's going to do to us. A little meek us. I can't wait. Can you, can you just imagine? By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Nothing is going to escape his authority. Nothing. That's a powerful thing. Think about that on the other side of the coin as I often say. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, his power isn't diminished. His authority is not diminished. Right? He's got the same power, the same authority, the same might. What's going to happen if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ? Number one job of a pastor in the pulpit, right, is if you're not right with God, get right with God. Repent and turn in faith to him. Don't do anything. Don't earn it. Don't work harder. Don't do any of that stuff. Turn your mind and your heart and your soul towards Christ the king and say, Lord, I've been a scoundrel. I'm not perfect. Take me as I am. And he will. What happens to those that aren't believers? I went backwards on you. Turn back a page, if you like, to verse 17. Paul's writing to the church. And there was people within the church. They're all warned about them. There's lots of letters and lots of epistles and Gospels that say, watch out, there's wolves coming into the congregation. These people set themselves up as not outsiders trying to derail the church. These were upstanding insiders. Keep in mind the power of God. Keep in mind His glory. Verse 20 again. For our citizenship is in heaven. He starts there in verse 20 with saying, For... He's looking back at something. He's trying to reassure the Philippians that our citizenship's in heaven. It's not here. Why? Is that a big deal? Verse 17, brethren, join in following my example. Paul laid out his life in front of everybody as an example. And you know, I like that. I like laying out an example. I like telling you when I... The, the power of this gospel is more than I can imagine. I'm a citizen of heaven. I believe this stuff. I've seen it in action. But I don't walk on water. Brethren, join in following my example. And observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have seen in us. Walk in the pattern that I set forth, Paul says. Walk in the pattern that you see us living. Walk in the pattern, I dare say, of the way I live my life. If I set out an example as a miserable bum, you don't want to follow that, right? 
There's no point in taking charge. Taking, let's run to the, the end of this fight and follow Mike because he's a bum. I need to set forth an example. But it's not exclusive to me. You need to set forth an example. We were talking this morning about um, grandparents. The role in the family of a grandparent is powerful. It's huge. We're long past worrying about, you know, the diaper change and here, take him home. He's yours kind of, you know, we can do that now. But we can be pillars in that family and we can carry a mighty sword and we can carry a mighty hammer and not ever have to bring it down. We have to just stand and say, kids, we're going to pray before the meal. But we don't do that at home, Grandpa. That's okay. Let's do it here. Right? And they see that example. We can't be timid and shy. We can't go out to the restaurant and say, ah, somebody else is looking. Better not hold hands and pray over this meal. That's embarrassing. You know, my sister wouldn't like it. My brother, he wouldn't want to sit there. That's when we do it. And we do it with the grandkids. You know, I'm blessed with one granddaughter. Lives far, far away. But when she was here, she's, what's this crazy thing grandpa's doing? Praying before a meal, you know? But that example was set in her life. That's what we do. We set forth an example. Don't have grandkids? You have children? You have neighbors? Do you have friends? Do you have somebody in your life? Be an example. Show them what it's like to be a Christian. And not like what these, you see those nuts on TV, the Westboro Baptist guys. That's not Christian. But just a lot of people perceive them to be because they, thought they got the name. You got to get that name from somewhere. You can't just call yourself a Baptist, can you? They do, and they're not. You're evil. That's an example. <coughs> Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even weeping. Paul was crying over these people. Brethren would indicate that they're part of the church. They've seen how Paul walked. They've seen his ministry. They've seen his, his life. And they're undermining it. They're bringing in heresy into the church. They're, they're trying to bring in the, the, the law trumps everything. Law plus. We're going we're gonna to follow the law, the Old Testament commandments. We're going to follow that and stuff. Paul weeped over this. He poured his tears on this page for us. Don't add to the gospel. Don't take from the gospel. Follow the example of the gospel. But I'm weeping. Why? He says that they are enemies of the cross. Their legalism, their rules and their regulations are now enemies of of not just Paul, not just the brethren, not just the other believers. They're enemies of the cross. The cross of Christ where he nailed their sins with him. Our Father who art in heaven. They're enemies of the cross. And what happens to that if you're an enemy of the cross? Paul doesn't mince it. Paul doesn't tone it back. Paul doesn't say, I better not say this for fear of offending one or two of these Philippians. He says, whose end is destruction? They're damned to hell is what Paul is saying. Brethren in the church, you got rules and regulations. You got a different gospel. Your end is destruction. 
you're damned. That's not very Christian language to be using from the pulpit, but that's what it is. These people are going to face that same God that we just talked about, that pressed this universe together, that His power is going to transform our bodies, that His power is going to give us new bodies, is going to do the same with these people. It's not just written for these Philippians. This is as valid now in this day and age as it was back then. People today that don't have faith in Jesus Christ, that don't hang their sins upon the cross, are going to face this destruction and will be damned in hell. Why? Their God, little g, is their appetite, or maybe King James says their belly. They're more worried about their stuff. They're more worried about if there's something in front of them, they're going to eat it. If there's something in front of them, they're going to drink it. If there's something they want, they're going to take it. And if that is their God, Paul plainly says that's your destruction. And whose glory is in their shame. They take glory for the shame that they live in. They take glory for the sins that they're set in. They take they think this is the best thing ever. We don't see that in, a, in this day and age, do we? You turn on the TV and you look at the stars. You look at the, the Hollywood group. And, you know, yeah, there's some believers there and I'm sure there's some good guys. But they don't care about any of this stuff. You know, they, they, they look at us as like we're crazy. We're not crazy. I, and I don't hate them. I want them to see this. I want them to see that their destruction is at hand. They put, you know, the, the, what, the TV thing where they're, they're living their life on TV, you know, the reality stuff. And they think that's good. They take pictures of their bottoms and they put it up on the Internet for the world to see. And they think that's good and they think we're crazy. I dare say we're not. They're, they glory in their shame. And they set their mind on earthly things. And then he says again where we just were. But our citizenship's in heaven. We don't set our mind on those things. We don't, our belly is not our God. Our stuff is not our God. Our, our God is Christ the King. And we glory in Him. And we worship Him. And we look forward gleefully to being able to be in our homeland in heaven with him someday. And I'll close it with this. And we're a small group, and I don't know where everybody is with, with the Lord. But I will say, if you're not with him today, today is the appointed day. This is the hour. You can be either one of the verse 17, 18 guys, or you can be one of the verse 20 guys. My prayer today is that you become a verse 20 guy or gal. That you set your, your heart towards home. And if you can't call it home yet, reflect on that. Think on that. Soak that in. Take it in. And say, Lord Jesus, forgive me a sinner. That's all you have to do. You don't have to go to the passport office. You don't have to go wait in long lines at the federal building in L.A. And it's not a week-long event. You're going to say, okay, I've got to fill out all the forms, send in my $600, wait a year and a half to get the papers back, and then I'm in. 
You turn to him in faith today and you say, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me, a wretched sinner. And that's all done. And at that very moment, you are fully justified. I love that, that doctrine. But you are fully justified in the sight of God. There's no more stuff you have to do. And then for the rest of your life, you work out your sanctification with him. You work out your Christian life as you move along. You don't have to be perfect today to be a Christian today. You just have to stop and say, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me a sinner. And at that very moment, your your passport stamped. He's going to be calling you home. He's going to meet you in the air if you're long enough on this earth and he comes back. But if not, don't fear. Don't fear this verse 17, 18, guys. Stand firm on the rock of the 19 and 20, guys. Jesus Christ loves you. Make this the day. And if you're, you know, if, if you're not just not, you're a believer, but you've had a rough few months, rough couple years, decade, it's just as good today to say, Lord Jesus, take this burden from me. I haven't been perfect, but I'm perfected in you. And he'll welcome you back. He's not waiting up there to step on you. He's not waiting for you to say, I'm okay, come on back. And you come back in fear and timid. And he says, okay, now I'm going to get you. For those 10 years you've been a decadent fool, he's going to say, come on home. Welcome back into the family. So that's my prayer for you today. If you're not a believer, become a believer. If you're a believer, but you've had a tough go of it, let today be the day. Go forward. Look forward to your next adventure with Christ Jesus. Look forward to your next whatever he has for you. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful today that we could look at this message, Lord. And we're so thankful. We're so thankful that we are yours. That we are citizens of your kingdom, Lord. Lord, for those of us here today that might be not sure of their relationship with you, my prayer is today, Lord, that they come face to face with you and, and see the reality of who you are. And Lord, for some of us that may have been going aside and asunder that you give us peace and you you know that we come to you in prayer and we say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name and mean it that we repent and we turn to you in faith and your grace will abound in our lives (coughs) that we don't have to work or earn or, or get brownie points lord that we just have to in faith turn to you and say forgive me a sinner lord lead us out of this room Lead us into the mission field that you would have for us. Bring us into the contacts that you would have for us this week, Lord, that we can stand boldly and say, I have a God that loves you. Let me introduce him to you. Give us that opportunity just once this week, Father, and that we have the boldness to stand on all the promises and and the things we have to look forward to, Lord, with you. We love you, and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Let's stand, and I just love it the way the Lord puts these songs together. This particular song, I'll Fly Away, was something that came to me last Wednesday or Thursday.